Amen. God bless you, Bridge. I uh, want to encourage you to remember to pray for uh, the sick and grieved in our congregation. Uh, several of our members this week um, were diagnosed with the COVID and uh, had uh, some fairly disruptive symptoms. And so, and they have spanned various age groups. Uh, they, our ages seem to be lower and lower now uh, from the 40s down to uh, the preteens. And so we just ask that you continue to pray for the sick among us. Remember also those who have lost loved ones. We uh, had a young lady whose parents uh, she was visiting and her father died last week and uh, we're trying to reach out to the family. So pray for them and uh, all who are mourning and grieving the loss of loved ones. We turn uh, in our Bibles to Matthew chapter five again. We'll be preaching throughout this year uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And now we are at verse 13 in chapter five. Matthew 5, verse 13, and it reads as follows. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word we'll begin preaching a two-part series, Jesus's Indispensable Influencers. Jesus's Indispensable Influencers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the promise of Christ, of what he makes us. He takes us from where we were and recreates us and makes us new and transforms our lives, and we give you praise. May we, Lord, live to the praise and glory of your name in this world, even as the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus is indispensable influencers. So we begin this new two-part series entitled uh, The Indispensable Influencers. And we have left the Beatitudes from verses 3 to 12. And, uh, and of course, in these Beatitudes, we saw the characteristics of Christ's kingdom citizens being described. It was not how you get into his kingdom, but what happens to those who are in his kingdom. And so we notice um, that we have... Uh, moved away from the Beatitudes, but we have not left the central audience of this sermon. Notice Jesus transitions from the vague demonstrative pronoun that is used in verses 4, 6, and 10. Verses 4, blessed are those who mourn. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. And so when he says those, it's almost ambiguous, this pronoun. Who, who are they? It's those. It's, it, it almost sounds like it's not specific to the audience 
who is in front of him. But then beginning in verse 11, he says, blessed are you. He moves to the second person specific pronoun, you. And so uh, you represents the ones being changed by Jesus. And so really we look back at the Beatitudes. We look back at the poor in spirit, look back at those who are mourning over their sin, look back at those who are meek, gentle, and humble, those who are hungering after righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart and are peacemakers. And then they are lastly, those who are persecuted. He moves and says, you, you are the salt of the earth. I want to focus on that you for a second. Who are the you? They are the disciples. The you are not the crowd. So remember, Jesus rises up, goes up, climbs a mountain. His disciples come to him and behind the disciples are the crowd. They are listening, but very, be very specific here. Jesus is speaking to the disciples in the hearing of the crowd, but he's speaking directly to the disciples and he's saying, you will be persecuted and you are the ones who will be reviled by the world. You who are being changed by the sun, you are who I'm speaking with. And when I thought about the Beatitudes and looked at verse 13 and recognized he's still speaking of them, I thought about Jeremiah chapter 18. It is not an allusion to this text, but what was taking place in Matthew chapter five, I believe it can be um, the imagery that is seen in Jeremiah 18 capsulizes what is taking place in the Beatitudes. He says in verse in chapter 18, verse one of the prophet Jeremiah, he said, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, listen to this. Can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And in Matthew chapter five, when Jesus is making this declarative statement about those who he is referring to in the Beatitudes, his disciples, he is saying to them, you are being shaped by God. You are being fastened by God. It is God at work shaping your life, making you merciful, causing you to mourn over sin, causing you to pursue Christ. It is the Lord who is shaping you like the clay in his hand. And when there are parts of you that are obstinate and stubborn and, and not merciful and, and not pure, God is shaping you, shaping you into his image, into his likeness that you might reflect the sun. The you 
here refers to the disciples being transformed by Jesus like clay in the hands of the potter. The you refers not only to the original disciples, but it also refers to the disciples of every generation that is being molded by the hands of God. It refers then to you and I, his modern listeners, every generation that receives this word and hears Jesus say, you are the salt of the earth. He is speaking to us, us who are being transformed, us who are being convicted, us who is surrendering to the word of Christ. We are the audience that he is speaking to here. Who are the you in this text? It is you and I. Hallelujah. As we submit, surrender to the hand of the Lord. Can I ask you a question, Bridge of Hope? Is Jesus molding you? Is Jesus humbling your heart, making it tender towards his will? Are your desires changing as God is working by the Spirit in you? Are you being called to his ways? If that is the case, then you are the one he's talking about in this passage when he says you are the salt of the earth. So we've identified the you to whom Jesus is referring. Now let's understand what Jesus sees in us, in his disciples who have been on his pottery wheel being shaped by God. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Let that settle in your heart and in your hearing. You are the salt of the earth. Salt has so many uses in our world, but I just want to name the, the, the top three uses historically. Number one, salt is a universal preservative. Salt's ability to preserve food was a founding contributor to the development of civilization. It helped eliminate dependence on seasonal availability of food and made it possible to transport food over large distances. Think about it, because if it weren't for salt, food would spoil quickly. Remember, you did not have refrigeration. And so in the old days, in ancient times, they began salting the meat, salting the fruit, salting the food, and then they would dig holes sometimes and place it in the ground or place it in bags and, and it would preserve it. It was so, salt was so valuable. Roman soldiers used to get paid in salt. In fact, it was called back then white gold. <laughs> Church, Jesus is saying of his citizens, his disciples, the world is decaying apart from Christ. Everywhere you go, you're seeing some kind of societal, moral, relational, spiritual decay and breakdown. But when God's people who are on the 
potter's wheel, being shaped by God. God says of them, you are the salt of the earth. I am placing you in the world to preserve the world, preserve the decay, because as I am working in you, your presence is impacting the world. Secondly, salt is a taste enhancer. Without the seasoning of salt, much of what we eat would be bland or insipid, right? It, it would be tasteless. There are some places, I don't want to offend people, but there are some countries I don't like eating from. I don't like uh, visiting and eating in their restaurants because their food is bland. I won't say which country that is. But salt is used to enhance the taste. When God sovereignly scatters his people in the world, in every industry, in every nation, and in every culture, they infuse the taste of Christ in the life of the community. We don't detract from the world. We add the taste of grace. Oh my God, today, I want you to understand you are the salt of the earth. You enhance the taste of Christ in the world apart from your presence Christ working in us the world would lack the vivid revelation of Jesus but when they are near us they can sense they can taste they they can get exposed to the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom is Jesus thirdly salt is a cleaning agent the Caribbean culture where my family is from, uh, we, we, we don't just eat meat from the bag. <laughs> we have to salt it, you know. And so sometimes we'll use lemon and sometimes vinegar, but uh, many times we will rub it, rub the whole meat down in water and salt. Why? Because we cleanse the meat before we cook it. This world is full of defiling evil. But Jesus inside of us cleanses his world with truth. We bring the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the revelation of his truth into the world. And a world that is sitting in darkness is exposed to the cleansing truth of Christ. So understand, disciples of Jesus, verse 11 and 12 Jesus has said, the world thinks so little of you that they will revile you and they will harm you and they will lie on you and mock you. However, you must understand your worth. You are the salt of the earth. You are invaluable. You are indispensable. When, when the world thinks we don't need you, you don't mean anything. We don't take you serious. You're nothing. You're pathetic. You're silly. You're simple. You're ridiculous. You hold your peace. Because the Lord has declared when the world doesn't see your value, you don't worry and listen to them. God sees your value. He says you are the salt of the earth. You are a preserving agent. You are a cleansing agent. You are an enhancing agent. You are valuable and indispensable. 
Don't let this world tell you that you are useless and let them talk, but don't believe them. You are the indispensable spice that points people to Jesus. Just this week, uh, my family has a text line and, and one of my aunts let us know that, that a, a, a neighbor who they grew up with in Chicago uh, back in the 70s contacted her and said, uh, please uh, pray for us. Now understand the context. So my grandfather, we call him granddaddy. He was the pastor and, 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 and all the neighbors knew it. He prayed for them. If they came over, he'd feed them. He loved his neighbors. They loved him. They laughed at his accent, but they loved his heart. When anything was going on, they wanted brother, brother Williams to pray for them. Brother Williams is long gone. Granddaddy died back in the mid 80s, but his kids are following the Lord. And one of the neighbors who was a teenager who went to high school with my auntie texted her and said, would you ask your family to pray for us? We've been dislocated because of the storm in New Orleans and we don't know what we're going back. We need your family to pray. And when I saw the text, I thought about the salt of the earth, the influence of God's people. No, they didn't have a lot of money. No, they, they weren't important in society's eyes. Yes, some of the same people who may be texting made fun of them. But you know, when they recognized they were in need, decades later, they're still asking, pray for me. I know you know the Lord. Hallelujah. You are being changed by God. You were not living like us. We need your prayer. Today, I want you to know, church of God, blood washed, born from above, sanctified, spirit baptized, citizens of the king, as Jesus keeps us on his pottery wheel, we are indispensable as the salt of the earth. But we need to see here, not only it's us he's talking about and not only how invaluable we are as preserving agents, as cleansing agents, as enhancing agents, we need to see that we are influencers. People will not just come to us in need, but by the grace of God, they will be influenced by our lives, by what Christ is doing within us. You are an influencer. And I want you to see this in the text because Jesus implies this when he says in verse 33, he says, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salted? How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything. You cannot afford to lose your taste because the taste of the salt, the saltiness impacts us so much. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples 
and saying you are an influencer, the last thing you can afford to do is lose your, in, your influence. He's talking about the power of salt, the power of the influence of the disciple of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this whole idea of influencers uh, because it's used so much in our day. Social media influencers have large devoted followers on various platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and, and YouTube. And, and this is, of course, new generationally. In years past, we had celebrities who, who we knew through the, you know, through the media. We knew through television or radio or, or the movies. And, and they did influence what we listened to and how we dressed. I still remember Michael Jackson and his pants. And we used to wear short pants and we used to wear the red jacket like his thriller jacket. And some people used to come to class with a white glove with just one glove. Or, or sometimes they would wear glasses like Prince or, or, or uh, various other artists. Even though we thought we knew them, we didn't. We were just familiar with their on-screen persona. But you know, some of these personas were made up. They, they were not based on what the individual was really like. They were just created. But with, the, with these social media influencers, they're different. Uh, not to say everything they show is real, but they often focus on giving their followers access to their personal lives. Daily, continually, they're recording and editing, but recording what they did that morning and where they're shopping and, and recording their conversations, even arguments and tensions. They're recording these things so their followers would see, and we understand, and, and the more followers they have, then, then marketers and business, uh, businesses um, pay these uh, influencers to promote their products. And that's how they get their money. And it can be quite profitable depending on how large uh, your following is. But I want to focus on the fact that, that today's influencers are different from yesterday's influencers and in that today's influencers often try to show you who they are, where they shop and what they think and their perspective. They try to be as authentic as possible. Not that they're fully sure, uh, not that it's fully accurate, but they certainly try to communicate more than previous generations of celebrities. As I was thinking about that change, I was reminded of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, where we see God's plan is that we would be influencers and not influencers from afar, but influencers close where people, where God scatters us towards, see our lives. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of. And listen to this. So being 
affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become so very dear to us. And here Paul is saying, when we ministered the gospel, the gospel, we couldn't just give it to you and walk away. We shared our lives because the gospel in in, intersects with our lives and changes our lives. Reminds me of 2 Timothy 2 and 2. The things you have heard among many witnesses, Timothy, share that with others. And, and, and so he speaks about how his life was transparent. His life was being shared with others. And, and, and that's how he was influencing people. I want you to know that the Lord broadcasts and reveals his ways to the world. The world that doesn't know him, he reveals Reveals it through us. Our influence cannot be stopped because as the gospel is shaping us, God reveals himself through mercy, reveals himself through our compassion, reveals himself through our repentance and our confession, reveals himself through our pursuit of righteousness and truth, reveals himself through our, our, our pursuit of peacemaking relationships. Hallelujah. You need to understand, though the world doesn't see your value, you are influencing them. They're still, they're making fun of you and yet wondering in their mind, is this true? Is there better than what I've got? Is what they're doing real? And Jesus here in Matthew 5 says, you make sure my followers, my citizens, Whatever you do, you are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness because to lose your saltiness is to lose your influence. You know, the only way that salt can lose its taste is if it's diluted with other, diluted or mixed with other solutions. And that's how it breaks down. So it is with the followers, the disciples of Jesus Christ. The only way we would really lose our influence is for the church to be deluded and compromised. I want to say something, church. Like the deluded salt, we too can lose our influence. So I warn you, church, don't be deluded. Don't become prayerless. Don't become nominal in faith. Don't become faithless. Don't become, don't lack in holiness, lack in pursuit of righteousness. Don't, don't, don't give up on the truth. Listen, no matter what, it becomes easy during the pandemic to just sleep in bed and, oh, I'll catch the service or, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to somebody eventually. It becomes easy to become nominal. Let me tell you, you've got to be careful lest you backslide during this pandemic. You've got to be vigilant to pursuing Christ and allowing Christ to shape you and not holding back on joining in the body or forsaking the assembly of the brethren. Even online, you've got to call one another. You've got to have conversations about Jesus. You've got to spur one another to seek the Lord while he may be found. Do not be idle and just say, well, every now and then I'll get a little Jesus. No, you need more than K-Love. You need more than the music. You need more than an occasional message. You need the word. You need to be in the presence 
presence of God, you need to be pursuing him and you need to be in relationship with other people and allow God to shape you and change you. And in these relationships, confess and repent and love and express mercy. You need to be reaching out in this world that is broken. Church, you and I are on display in the world. God has scattered us by his sovereign hand and the key point is this do not compromise Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it tells us do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind don't just become like the world don't just do what the world does that's how we lose the influence that's how we come off the potter's wheel. That's how we distance ourselves from God by just giving in to the flesh and giving in with whatever comes by and whatever other the world is doing. No, when you do that, the Bible lets us know we will become ineffective and powerless. Jesus says to us, what will happen when... What will happen to the disciples in a world when we become powerless? When the power of grace is not working in our lives? He tells us we will be thrown underfoot, will be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's interesting. Trampled underfoot. Do you know? When the Bible speaks about Satan and our victory over his kingdom, the Bible says in Romans chapter 16 and 20, the God of peace will bring the devil under our feet. He is under our feet. We are not under the feet of him in the world. But when we compromise, when we give in to temptation, when we just walk away from pursuing the grace of God, we become ineffective. Our testimonies is rendered nil. No one wants to listen to you. No one wants to pay attention to you. They will trample you underfoot. They will mock you and know that what they're making fun of is real. No, do not become deluded. Do not lose your effectiveness. Be transformed. Do you want to be under the foot of the world? No. Can the disciple live defeated? God forbid, for the Bible tells us in, eight, in Romans 8 and 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Glory God. We are overcomers of the enemy so don't yield lean into the grace of God and live in this world in your neighborhood in your community at your job in your school and live walking with the Lord with and in front of everybody and not ashamed be merciful be kind be forgiving be humble be a peacemaker be a gospel speaker and regardless of what they say about you or against you know that 
what they laugh at, they don't understand. But the power of the Holy Spirit will bring conviction in their hearts. They will be influenced by it. So disciples of Jesus, own your value and yield to the Holy Spirit because they yielded you is the kind of indispensable influencer that this world needs. Will you join me in prayer? Father, today, Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. Who are we that you are mindful of us? Who are we that you would consider us? You've made us lower than the angels, but you've crowned us with glory and strength and you are shaping us in your image and likeness and you are sanctifying us and, and cleansing us and making us righteous. You are giving us strength in the inner man. You are filling us with your spirit. Oh God, you who shape us, cause us to be influential. Not for our own name, not for our own reputation, but that we might point men and women to you. Keep us on the wheel, Lord. Shape us. Guide us. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.